Once you approve. Hi, has everyone got a brew with them? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Coffee ready. Brilliant. So we're all out here on um, Op Shader, but first of all, let's introduce ourselves and then we'll dig into the reason we're out here and put some context behind it. Yeah, so I'm Corporal Tom Spencer, RAF Physical Train Instructor and Adventure Train Instructor, uh, based over at the Resilience Centre in Krakow and currently the PTI on Op Shader. I'm Padre Johnny from RAF Horizon Orton and currently the outgoing Padre on Op Shader. Squadron leader Lizzie Jones, I'm currently deployed out on Opshader as the physio. And I'm uh, Padre Michael, um, the new incoming uh, Padre for Opshader. Um, and we just happen to have the same accent, the two Padres. <laughs> Brilliant, so we've highlighted our roles. So contextualising Opshader and why we're out here, who's going to um, highlight that? Well, Opshader uh, began... Uh, back in August uh, 2014, and that was whenever the, the RAF began a series of humanitarian uh, airdrops uh, onto Mount Sinjar in northern Iraq. And obviously, it is that it has developed since then. But but that was about you know following the genocide of the uh, Yazidi people um, and other ethnic minorities by Daesh um, up in northern Iraq. And I suppose that leads into you know one of the the core uh, tasks of Opshader, which is to, to defeat Daesh um, and also alongside that, you know, really about trying to, to stop any malign activity while building, uh, you know, uh, a force for good across the whole region. Um, and ultimately, obviously, you know, this is a, you know, as from a UK perspective, we are, we are, are obviously trying to, you know, further um, uh, UK's, you know, interests overseas um, by our activity here with our uh, coalition partners. And if we can be part of that peacemaking process, we can ultimately work with our coalition partners, making the world a better place and keeping our loved ones safe back in the UK. So that's an, an important aspect of it too. So for me, it's uh, being a force for good um, in the Middle East and defeating Daesh uh, ultimately so they don't sort of bring their ideologies back over um, closer to home. And we're using a wide variety of, of uh, aircraft types to, to achieve that, uh, some of which uh, involves kinetic activity uh, within the region to uh, undertake exercises. So obviously in the welfare roles that we all hold, we're a little bit further back from the kinetic effects that may be um, being undertaken by some of our colleagues. Um, how do we feel our roles contribute? I think we all have important roles. Um, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding and miscommunication about what Opshader is. And it's for us to manage those expectations, as I said, in a, in a more background role, but to be there for the people, for our people, and, and to help them and to guide them along the way and, and to be that sort of bridge between their day-to-day -day jobs and their and their normal lives. And I think one of the really key parts of this also is that everyone uh, that is part of Opshader has a critical role to play. Uh, it doesn't matter whether they're right up the front line or whether they are providing that support uh, back here uh, at, at headquarters. 
um, uh, every role is absolutely critical um, and that, that's the key to how we work together well as a team and so that support element and that, that we need to provide about building resilience into to how people work both individually and how they cope with the stresses and anxieties that they have in life so that they can perform effectively um, as, as, as part of a team. Brilliant. So I suppose I see it more from a specialist point of view, dealing with maybe injured personnel um, that are out here. But if we can maintain operational output from our individuals and keep them deployed as part of OpShader, um, we're sort of op- you know, optimising our operational effectiveness. So I feel that's where the, the physio element comes in, um, especially in relation to the fast jet crews and looking at the duration of sorties that are currently being carried out. But it goes beyond that to the wider um, personnel of everyone that's contributing and trying to maintain optimal fitness, which I think is where Tom will work together, won't we, on that? Yeah, so from my point of view, um, with the physio, uh, work alongside the deployed flying squadrons, engaging with the aircrew and delivering the aircrew conditioning programme to make sure ultimately the pilots are good to fly. Working with the physio, making sure there's no injuries, bit of prehab, rehab uh, for, for those guys. And then all the support personnel in 903, that might be early morning sessions for FIS just to keep active, a um, bit of a mental break from their day-to-day role and delivering bespoke adventure training days to help build their resilience, teamwork, a little bit of communication involved as well. I'm also the uh, subject matter expert for the delivery of heat climatization training. So as we get into the warmer months, that's pivotal towards everybody's role here with the heat having a massive effect on people's day-to-day jobs. If we can get those acclimatized to work in those conditions and we can keep up operational effectiveness. You mentioned resilience. I suppose that's a, a key word and, and a bit of a buzzword, but I suppose what, what does it mean to us on an individual level and why do you think it's important linked into OpShader? I think resilience has got many different definitions and it can be different to each person depending on people's past experiences that may have built their resilience. So for, for me, it's being able to cope and adapt to a variety of different stresses and still perform under pressure. I think out on operations, we are massively under pressure 24-7 and being able to bounce back from adversity. So if we are suffering any setbacks, how do we sort of reset, analyse the situation and then move forward for that? And for military personnel, again, we're subjected to new and different situations. So at the minute, we're away from home quite a lot. So what can we do in terms of a welfare side of things? I think we use bounce back is the key so it's probably a football term but that idea of bounce back ability is for me what resilience really is it's how you bounce back and that having that bounce back ability and that resilience allows you to cope especially on operations and so much of that is actually something that you, you learn and as you go through experiences uh, that you then build that resilience so that the next time you're faced with that you're you mentally uh emotionally, spiritually, physically, uh, are much more adept at actually dealing with it as well. So it's you know, that, that key part of, of how we move forward and learn from our past experiences. For all of you, uh, again, as the, the new padre uh, just having arrived here, what is the most interesting thing that you have each of you have done so far? Compassionate reasons. You know, seeing how that actually works and for all of the 
for all of the struggles with accommodation and, and six days a week and long hours, seeing the Air Force pull out all of the stops to get somebody from here back to their loved ones when they really need to be there has been absolutely amazing to see it in action. I think for me, uh, so far, sort of dual hat is seeing how my role and my small cog in the, the big wheel to ultimately get, get the aircraft in the air, um, which is what we're, we're all here to do, has been sort of nice because I think sometimes, definitely my role back home, you lose sight of why you're in the military or why you're doing what you're doing. So I think being out on operations has definitely made me realise uh, I have actually got an important role to play. Um, being kept busy by mainly the air crew out here. Um, and I think just from a personal point of view, seeing the typhoons take off every day is never gets boring, to be honest. Um, might do in a three, four months when it's waking me up at night. Um, and then I'm in a very fortunate position that I can take people out on adventures training. So kayaking in the sea around the coast and um, getting to see a couple of turtles in the water um, from a selfish point of view has been been excellent and even if you can't see that the typhoons taking off you can always hear them definitely hear them off. yeah <laughs> but, get, but getting to work with these people and with the gyms being open and working with the pti and training with these 21 slash 28 year olds has been really good fun also getting basted by them and broken by them and then having to go and see lizzie already and have my knee fixed and my hamstring fixed has been really good and rewarding as well you know so it's really been nice to work alongside and and, and to just to to jump in and, and do what everybody else is doing. How, how have you all find the living situation uh, good? Yeah, I mean, we're effectively utilising a firm base, aren't we, whilst we're out here. So um, the living conditions are pretty good. So um, there's been some issues with, I think, heating and hot water earlier on in the depth. Um, but actually, from a personal perspective, I can't complain. How's the food? I think the food's good, but I'm not really picky when it comes to food. <laughs> I think everything's fine i mean people like to whinge about their accommodation but it's it's accommodation it's a bed it's free people like to whinge about the food it's really it's really good it's not bad you know maybe it's not what people are used to and it's not fine dining or mcdonald's or whatever it is that seems to be the problem i haven't had a bad meal and even if the heating goes off and there's no hot water it's not the end of the world yeah i love the fact that i've got a bed to sleep in every night i've got somewhere that i can go to the loo, I've got a shower I can use and I get three square meals a day and I'm, I'm finding pretty good. Again, this is the learning for me just coming in. So have you, what is the weirdest thing that has, you've experienced on debt? I had a gecko that resided in my clinic for a week and I tried to shoot him out. So he's been my little clinical okay. friend. Um, but has yeah. he got a pet name yet? No, he's actually scuttled away. So he, <laughs> he, he managed to remove himself before he got named. But uh, yeah. That was a little bit strange. I can't think of anything weird, but that probably says more about my so-called normal life. <laughs> yeah, for me, nothing nothing strange at the minute. Just the amount of cats that are around. Oh, or mosquitoes. Mosquitoes, yeah. Mosquitoes. That's probably been the biggest, yeah, the biggest thing. Yeah, mosquitoes are they're just a pain. Yeah, literally. Yeah, literally. Have you all missed home? Or have you not missed home? Yes, I have. But I'm, I'm going home tomorrow, so... Okay. <laughs> We've reached the end already. I think it sort of maybe hits you and it sort of fits and starts really. I think like we've mentioned, if you're busy and you're focused on the task, then, you know, 
you're okay. Sometimes those quiet reflective periods can just make you think of home a little bit more. But again, we're fortunate that we have got people around us. We can interact far more out here than um, we could do back home. And we can go out for a run or to the gym or sort of, you know, utilise um, exercise as a way of sort of dealing with those moments where it might feel a little bit more pressured or stressed being here away from family. I think it is definitely fits and stops. Like I um, celebrate my birthday whilst I was out here. So I think that sort of period of reflection definitely made me miss home, but we've also made really good friends out here and been kept busy day to day. So that sort of kept my mind off um, missing missing family as much. What age are you? 21. 21. My driving license is all. Actually, I wish. 28. 28. Still, still, my driving license still runs. And I celebrated my birthday in quarantine, but don't ask me my age. <laughs> so, whilst we're here away um, from maybe friends and family and normal routine, what are the mental challenges that can affect people whilst being on ops? And are they just mental or their physical challenges as well to being out in this different climate? I think that the challenges are uh, you know, right across the board. Um, there is, without any doubt, the mental challenge because you've got separation from family um, for extended periods of time. Um, and that can mean you know, people being away from perhaps uh, you know, uh, their spouse, their family members and you know, maybe young children. Um, and then they're they're also trying to focus on the task that is in hand. Um, but in some ways, the, the issue I think now around some of this is the fact that we now have much better comms back and forward to home. So previously, you know, years ago, you were maybe away and you had no communication or very limited comms back to home. But now you do know, you know, if your uh, son or daughter is not well, uh, you very quickly know that they are, so you carry that stress. Um, and but yet you've still got to have that mental ability to, to, to focus on the task. Because there are problems with the communications and being able to, to hear something's happened and the little dramas that we're trying to stop our people having to deal with. We we tell them what they were, we feed them, we, we, we take away the pressure so they can be the best service man and woman that they can be. Distraction is a big thing and it's sort of what we teach of situational awareness and I think we need to be situationally aware in our day-to-day -day jobs and I think distraction can stop us that, stop us having that and stop us performing our jobs well. So making sure the fed, watered accommodation is good. We're trying to take as many distractions away from them. So all they have to focus on is doing their day-to-day -day role. But almost the communication back home is too good. And we're hearing of all these little dramas that, that distract us from doing our, our main job, which is a challenge in itself that we need to try and overcome. And you know, it's not worth it. The, the physical aspect of the, and physicality of training becomes really important because if you are very focused on your task for the eight, 10, 12 hours that you are uh, at, at work, whatever that work is for that day, and you then go home or back to, to the block or to your room and you have, deal with, have to deal with the family drama or whatever it is, you need to have a physical release through that physical training. And that's you know, where it delivers such a key component you know there are benefits of being out here you know we're, we're fortunate right now that the gyms are open for us so that certainly allows you Tom to really develop people and maybe get them out of their work context um certainly from being around the squadrons you know the guys and girls working on the front line 
in addition to everyone else, you know, they're working long shifts. This isn't um, the normal working pattern of being at home. It's a six day week, um, longer if required. So I think being able to take people out of that environment um, and utilise, you know, the, the swimming pool and the gym that we have got is really a positive. Yeah, definitely. I think just have to look around. Uh, we've got so many nice places around here to to go for a run, to go for a walk. The weather's getting nicer, definitely a lot nicer than it is in the UK at the minute. Um, so even if it's just like a 30-minute walk, run, 10-minute morning yoga session, whatever you can do, um, just to sort of take your mind off things, reset mentally before you tackle the day. It doesn't have to be a monstrous three-hour training session. If it's just a 10-minute stretch in the morning, that, that might be the difference to, to keeping you uh, or keeping the stress down. But I think the last year... Um because we haven't mentioned COVID yet, you know, the elephant in the room, but the last year has taught us that, that we can improvise and we can get better in our own space. We can find things to do at home, to exercise at home, to meditate at home, to, to pray at home, to do whatever. You know, we've, we've now learned a new skill in life and that's probably helping all of us in our jobs and helping our people manage it here. But um, isn't that also tied in with the fact that for a lot of people, um, in the past year has produced so many curveballs uh, and they at times maybe have not been able to do their primary job in the way that they were used to interacting with people uh, in that normal environment. Here we have a very specific operational focus to get on with um, and so we, we people are able to get on and do the job that they have actually trained for. I think the big thing coming on to that COVID point is over that last year COVID has made us more resilient in terms of we've had to adapt. We've not been able to go into the office and work and interact with people like we would in our day-to-day role. We're having to work from home. Everything's on Skype or email or whatever other form of communication we're going to be using. And we're almost just lacking that interaction. So we've had to find ways of being more resilient, not seeing friends, not seeing family. How can we still do our job from home? If that's possible, I know definitely my role, it's been extremely difficult to take people climbing whilst we're not allowed out. Um, so what other means of exercise or, you know, Sunday service, if that's not been been going ahead, how can we still provide our service to people? And I think being out on operations has almost made it easier because we've got the gyms open, we've got the pool open, we've got a good sort of, isolation period to get out here we're in these bubbles we can interact with other people that it is actually a little bit easier on operations and that's came across now for me especially at the end of my time where we've been delivering departure briefs and post-operational stress management and i've been asking about highs and lows and for for most people for nearly all people some of the highs have been working with people actually going into the office and seeing real people and you forget about that. Um, you forget about how hard it is just to, to use the laptop all the time, to you know, to look after yourself when, when you're stuck in the house all the time. So it's been really refreshing. And whilst we whilst we might, you know, whilst we might have struggled with that before, now that we actually get to interact and work together, even though we're away from home, even though we're on operations, people are generally quite happy to go to work, you know.
So we mentioned that it's a little bit easier out here, potentially, because we're in our sort of operational um, setup. And whilst we're adhering to social distancing, you know, we have gone through our isolation period. Um, do you think there's any techniques that people could adapt into their day to day life? So if we conversely look at going back home, are there any areas that we could take from this back home? So this is where we, you know, we, there's that real importance of routine uh, and you know that, that phrase that we often use, you know, battle rhythm, uh, but having that routine and establishing that routine. And you know, we've seen that with people whenever they go into quarantine, uh, you know, when they arrive for the 10 days or sorry, 14 days, um, you know, and they, they quickly establish a routine, you know, to, to get up, to do some fizz, to do breakfast, then maybe do some stretching uh, and, you know, maybe, and then after lunch, perhaps another fizz session. Um, and that, I think, is the key. Uh, we, we all need to have that level of focus. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's carrying that back then once we move beyond, uh, you know, whenever we all go back to the UK. And if we have to go into uh, some level of social distancing again, we're still working, you know, from, from home. You know, we all now know there's light at the end of the tunnel. At the start, you know, it might have been really, really hard. What am I going to do with my day? How am I going to cope without... A, B, or C, but now, now we know that we can do home workouts with our PTI slash Joe Wicks, or we, we can do other things. We can we can cook, we can we can get creative, we can do all that. And we've all had to do various lengths of isolating, uh, and we've learned how to use tech and Zoom and all, all these different things. So now it's it's not as much as of a challenge, and we now know that we can do that. We've, we've been resilient. We've got through probably the worst of it. Definitely. I think going through the um, isolation period was quite telling. And certainly um, techniques I've used would be to get up and try and do some morning fears to just sort of set your day straight. And I think that's something that can easily be transferred whilst I'm out here. Yeah, I think on that as well, it's all about keeping a routine and a pattern. It's quite easily, especially if you're working from home, maybe the, the first week or two in lockdown, you were putting on your uniform every morning and it easily slipped into just putting your pyjamas on because no one's going to see you. Um, so I think if you can keep that routine, keep that pattern, and ultimately as humans, we just want, we want to solve problems and we want to keep mentally stimulated. Um, so whether that might be picking up a book, listening to a podcast, listening to an audio book, um, you might be doing, you might have extra time at home. So if it's doing an online course, anything like that, just to keep us mentally stimulated um, and then any fizz that we can do as well, just to keep the mind and body uh, ticking over rather than just sort of sat in the house on the laptop for 12 hours a day. Definitely. I think the isolation period of working from home can sometimes put people into a difficult sort of struggling situation. Um, what would you do if you thought someone was struggling? I mean, sat next to two padres have probably got a nice bit of support either side of me mm. right now but um yeah what what would you do if someone was struggling with their mental health um how how could we interject and try and support so i think first of all it's it's important to say how easy it is now to not be okay but that in itself is okay but we've now created a world in which we can isolate hide away bury our head in the sand not get up and do our fizz, not get up and look after ourselves, you know, only put the top half on for your conference calls, do all that. You know, you can, you can fall into slippery slopes with all kinds of things. Alcohol is the obvious one, you know, not communicating. And it is okay to not be okay. And it's how we, ha how we recognize that and signpost that is a challenge. How we see it in others when we're not actually physically present is a challenge. 
But then we do have lots of different resources, especially in the military, to help people. You know, there are all of the different positive resources, the physios and the PTIs whom I'm with, the hives, the, the med centers, the benevolent funds, the SAFAs of this world are all there to help. So if you feel that you're struggling or know someone you think is struggling, it's, it's easy to put them in touch with people now um, and for them to reach out. Probably easier for a service person in the wider context than for a civilian because I'm sure in the civilian context, waiting lists for doctors and mental health professionals are huge. Whereas if someone or any of our people are really struggling, we can almost get them not immediate, but very, very close to that support. I read recently that actually allowing people that silence. So following up the are you OK question with how are you really doing and just affording that few extra seconds is sometimes that real key to open people to sort of consider to actually discuss with you or certainly point them in the right direction. I suppose from a medical perspective, there's always the um medical centre and anyone to sort of get in contact through through that physical presence um, but also remote there's an awful lot of useful apps these days that certainly um, the military have been quite forward leaning in trying to provide um, access to so do we think that the military is doing well in moving forwards in the right direction with mental health and resilience? I think there's definitely a big push in the last few years for, for mental health in the military think in the past it's been you're in the military sort of get on with it and, and move forwards and it is definitely not like that it doesn't matter who you are what walk of life you're from whether you're a millionaire or not everyone can struggle with mental health and we've seen it in the news with celebrities over the last few years um, as well as you know joe blogs um and raising that awareness we've already highlighted the, the people that we can go and see and so almost getting rid of that stigma of if you are struggling mental health, it's, oh, you're weak or you're not good enough. It's definitely not that. I think everyone at some point in their life has struggled with mental health. Um, and as the Padre said, it's okay not to be okay. So voice, um, raise your voice and speak to someone, even if, if it's your friend, a medical professional, whoever it is, um, let's sort of get through this together um, and, and get help. But there's definitely a significant shift, um, and you see that push, you know, coming from uh, senior officers uh, down. That uh, mental health is a key issue now, um, and as you say, you know, it used to be a case of you know just put your head down and get on with it. But now we recognise that, and there are mental health champions uh, throughout the, the military. So there is a significant shift, but it's but it's a journey that we're on in the sense of. Uh, making that, uh, getting that view spread more widely uh, across uh, the Defence Force. So changing tack slightly then, Tom, what have um, sort of your favourite moments been in the military so far? There's, there's been a few few highlights in the last sort of five years. Um, sort of standout moments for me so far uh, had the opportunity to do a static line parachute jump, which I don't think I'd ever have done in civilian life. Uh, managed to abseil into Ibrox, the Rangers Football Club Stadium, oh, for Armed Forces Day, which was was another highlight, definitely. And I think just moving around, meeting new people, and just pushing myself um, on a day-to-day business rather than just stuck in a Monday nine-to-five back at home has been probably the best thing about the military so far. I think the wider um, elements of sport and 
areas that we can get involved in beyond our day-to-day nine-to-five job certainly are the, the positives. Um, I've been fortunate enough to go to Chile skiing, so that was on the Air Force's time, and um, that was a brilliant experience and something I'd never have done sort of self-funded definitely so that's been brilliant um you know these opportunities and wider opportunities that unfortunately we maybe can't do right now because of covid um but moving forwards are the real benefits i believe to to get involved definitely for me some of the highlights are just quite simply the diversity of people that i get to meet and as a padre you know that's one of the real gifts that we have that you know we can we can talk to anyone regardless of rank uh, that we're outside of that chain of command, and that you know we can we can talk to people, and so we get to meet a real diversity of of people. Um, and the highlights really are, you know, whenever you've worked with someone and spent time with them, and eventually, they, you know, after a number of weeks, they finally say to you, Padre, I don't think I need to talk to you again. Um, and you don't take it as as an as an offence that they don't want to talk to you, but that actually you've been able to help them move beyond where they have been and that's a real highlight for me uh, alongside doing those significant acts of of national uh, remembrance you know whether it's remembrance day services or or battle of britain uh, events you know and, and those are significant opportunities uh, and you know they're just, just such a privilege to to be able to take part in those things i think a little bit possibly for both of us michael is that opportunity to see the the military from the other side you know that's not something you're afforded in northern ireland you know, so to be part of that behind the fence, doing these sort of things, those opportunities to go flying, you know, certainly with the guys at Bryce and Hercules and low level stuff, a day trip to the Falklands with TAC Medwing, um, search and rescue on the helicopter where they left me in a rocket sea and abandoned me and came and rescued me. You know, you don't get to see how good the military are at what they do, especially from the Northern Irish perspective, but just to see how professional and, and dedicated and enthusiastic everybody is from from the bottom up as a real highlight for me. I think on that, just other opportunities in the Air Force. Um, so we have like Eagle schemes, which anyone can go on and it's all free and it doesn't come out of your leave. Offers you so much variety. So you can go scuba diving, get qualifications. Skiing is probably the, the biggest attraction to, to most people going skiing for free. Um, you can spend weeks in Sweden, canoeing. You can go to places in the UK. Um, and go snow holing and all these extra experiences that you definitely wouldn't get in civilian life. The opportunities are out there in the Air Force. It's just you have to go and get them. Um, and I think that's probably one of the biggest attractions for most of us here to get those extra opportunities and grasp them both hands. So, yeah, thank you all for this. Um, I hope you all enjoy the rest of your time here. And um, when we're all back in the UK, we can perhaps have another coffee and a chat. Socially distance, or perhaps not by that stage. Yeah. Hope you have a good flight home. Cheers, Patrick. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you.